Hello and welcome to the New Moon Tarot reading for June and the new moon that just fell ooh, about half an hour ago at 11.53am um, UK time on Thursday the 10th of June 2021. There was quite a reading last month. Um, it felt slightly different from the previous readings that I've done in this series and I am not sure why or how, but I do trust that that has shown up for you in, in certain ways that have made it stand out. And I'm wondering before I draw the cards or before I turn the cards over rather, because I have them lying face down in front of me here, whether there is going to be any connection between last month's reading and this month's reading or whether last month's reading really was that break and transformation that um, felt very clearly that it was coming through in the card meanings or whether that transformation is still taking place and therefore the cards uh, will reflect some sense of continuity. So we will see. It's interesting as well that we have just come out of um, an annular solar eclipse. Didn't really notice it outside, but I for one certainly noticed um, something going on inside and it felt very quiet and very um, very thoughtful. And, and so I just, it felt right to draw the cards just after the new moon and eclipse. Sometimes I do the reading a couple of days before, sometimes I'm prompted by the cards to do the reading afterwards. It felt right to do the reading like last month, pretty much on the nose in terms of when the new moon was exact. So a quick recap of the way that I do readings for those of you who are new to the reading. It's a three card reading normally. There will sometimes be a fourth card as a qualifier but that, um, that's really the exception rather than the rule. And the first card is the foundation card, card number one. That is something that is happening or has already happened and that is in some way paving the way or forming the foundation for the current weather, the theme card, which is card number two. And that theme will be something that is prevalent in your own life, perhaps even in the world at large, over the next four weeks and then beyond. But the four weeks will be a peak of that, and even though the influence may carry on. And then the third card is the card that I always think is one of the more important cards in terms of the way that I do readings, and that is the card that gives you some kind of agency, the tool card, the card where you can interact in a meaningful way with the other two cards. Because cards one and card two are, well, card one is pretty much out of your control because it is currently happening, already happened. And card number two is, is a sort of archetypal theme. And, and that is also very much out of our control as far as, as far as my own approach to the cards is concerned. But card number three is where we meet that archetype or that archetypal situation in a, in a way that feels meaningful for us, that we, we choose how to meet it. Um, and and perhaps why it is that that the theme card is important for us. That is a brief introduction to the three cards, and I'm going to go straight into the reading. Um, it feels rather quicker than normal, and um, and I think perhaps because of the eclipse, there is just less room for a lot of speech, and rather just for uh, more of a sense of 
of getting the message across as succinctly as possible. So the first card, which is the foundation card, so again, has happened, already happening, is the hermit. And the hermit has cropped up before in, in readings, not last month. Um, I'm not sure whether it was the previous month or the month before that. But the hermit is is one of the major arcana cards. So that is an important card in as much as it is to do with not only the day-to-day -day archetypal situations that we face, but also to do with um, our own spiritual development, our own soul path, however it is that we see that, however it is that we describe it. I would describe it as the journey of the self or the journey towards individuation, um, which is the journey towards breaking away from the crowd, breaking away, becoming your own person and becoming your own person. That means um, on your own terms fully, which means fully separate from other people. And the hermit is really that point of separation. Um, it is that moment of going within. There have been cards in the major arcana preceding this immediately because I do sort of see the journey through the majors as a as a um, sort of chronological journey, even though we sort of jump back and forth and some work in parallel. There are several journeys going along at the same time. But if we look at the broader strokes of one's life, I think that the major arcanas form a, a, a sort of chronicle of the fool's journey or the, um, or the journey of the soul. And the cards preceding the hermit are really ones that are relatively extroverted. So you have... Um, you have the lovers as card uh, six. You've then got the chariot as card seven, which is, you know, so you've got the um, the meeting of the other and then the lining up of the, the two in order to move forward. And then the marrying of the, um, the learning to negotiate between the sacred and the profane in the strength card, which is card eight. And then once all of that has happened, there is this time of integration and introspection, an invitation to go within, and that's the hermit in card nine. The hermit doesn't necessarily mean that you are separate from people physically. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are spending time alone, though that is very much often the case, and particularly right now for many of us around the world, um, there has been um, an enforced sense of aloneness what with isolation and with lockdowns and all of our, um, you know, the restrictions on movement and things like that. So the hermit may be one that's been imposed um, from the outside more often than, than it has been in the past. But the hermit is also a necessary time of withdrawing from the world and from worldliness to discover what it is that exists separately from other people. So this is this idea of individuation. You know, if I no longer identify with this particular group or this particular belief system, then what is it that I do stand for? And finding out what you stand for means, whether it's a deliberate thing or whether it's something that you find yourself in, the um, severing of ties or the stepping away from things that um, cause you to feel obligated to certain forces that lie outside you, um, whether you are told to believe this or whether you are asked to tow a particular party line, whether that party line is a political line, whether it is something to do with family bonds, whether it's to do with a work situation or whether it's simply to do with a set of beliefs that you are starting to question as to how much of it 
How much of those beliefs are ones that A, are your own, and B, do you really believe in them anymore? Or did you really believe in them in, in the way that you thought you did in the first place? So the hermit is that introspection. It is tending that inner light. And that light, um, that light by contrast with the strength card before, which is Leo, which is ruled by the sun, can be a really small light. And that's actually um, depicted quite nicely by the annular eclipse, where the light um, pretty much disappears or, and, and there is just a, a small amount of light left. And, um, and it's about tending that inner light because that's the light that comes from within. It's the truth of something for you. And it may not be true for anyone else. And, um, and you may be told that it shouldn't be true for you. But um, nobody else has the right to, to define that light for you because it is your own. Nobody else can define that light for you, no matter how hard they try or no matter how loudly they shout. Uh, in the same way that, that you cannot define somebody else's light for them either. It is about then turning within and tending to our own light um, and not really, not really a time to necessarily um, question anyone else's. It is that moment of what is true for me now in my life. And, and that has been, that's the foundation to what's going on. So this has been this moment or this time of um, contemplation, the same way that um, there are contemplatives, there are nuns who, who shut themselves away from the world and are silent because they are contemplating their own connection with God. And, um, and we... Um, are contemplating whether we are aware of it or not, or you know any degree in between, our connection with something that feels true and real for us. So if I look at the card um, and I look at the writing, it is to find one's own light, to think things over, to rest in one's own comfort, um, wise leader, completion, fruitfulness, time to harvest, it's interesting that it is that time to harvest. It's um, the hermit uh, is correlated with Virgo, and Virgo is around the harvest time. So there's something here about what it is that remains growing that is true. You know, the the um, the mustard seed that grows into the plant, the one that doesn't fall on rocky soil, the one that doesn't sprout and wither immediately. It's the one that it's the one that grows true. It is that true that's true time to to harvest and that ties in in some way with the ten of discs that we had last time and that idea of understanding that what it is that you have is something that that really has reached its peak of fruitfulness in other words it is time to pluck that vine it is time to reap and move on because because you it has it has reached its full maturity and in the hermit, there is then the ability to reap the riches of what has been growing inside. And when I say reap the riches, that may throw up the idea of a, a massive field of wheat um, and, you know, a bountiful harvest, when it may feel like actually all you have is one, you know, one small plant. And, and I would say that that is 
equally important. This is not about quantity. It's about quality, but it's also about where that is grounded, where it is rooted. And if it is rooted in you, then it doesn't matter if it's, you know, if it's a if it's a bountiful harvest or if it's simply one plant. You know, um, a bonsai can be equally beautiful, equally rewarding with a lot of time and care and devotion spent on it. So, so if it, it's not about comparison, and comparison is the thief of joy, as they say. And, and here it really is about learning to appreciate even the small things, because it's the small things that, that are sometimes the most important. Again, it is quality over quantity. You can have vast amounts of things that, you know, that are amazing, a vast amount of things that, that really are, are not as meaningful as one small strand of absolute truth one small um, link in to one's own sense of self and even with a small connection that is building that's something that you can you know that you can work from it is to be able to begin to know oneself to be able to begin to know one's own truth is really the ultimate form of empowerment and it only takes one one moment of connecting in and and knowing what that feels like um, and knowing what that can do that then can can yield so much more you know in in times to come it's something it's a start so the hermit is this foundation and what it is that that the hermit is leading into now so the hermit is the the foundation for the central card is the nine of cups which is happiness and it was interesting that um, I talked about comparison being the thief of joy. Well, and then I was about to add a caveat saying, well, it doesn't necessarily even have to be joy. But I think actually, in this case, there is a form of joy in that is coming up in the next four weeks. And I would invite you, like I always do, to expand your sense of what joyfulness or joyousness is. Um, the Nine of Cups is a very joyful card to look at. It is, it is, I find it very, very uplifting looking at it. And um, there is a, there is a real lightness to it. And Karl Rorig has, has really gone, you know, and in some sense of whimsy with the hearts on it and the spiral and the feathers. It's, it's a very, very beautiful card to look at. And if I think of the, um, the, the meaning, the general meaning of the Nine of Cups, it is the wish card. So there is something here about being granted a wish. Um, perhaps your inner genie is granting you a wish. And there is no strings, you know, there are no strings attached to this particular wish because this is a wish that is coming from you that you are granting to yourself. You know, it's not a oh, um, you know, what's in it for me kind of extension of an invitation from someone else or something out there. It's not something where you have to give something up in order to, in order to attain something. This is something that's already earned. Um, you have earned this from what you have put into the work that you are doing on yourself. And when I say working on yourself as well, that doesn't need to mean effort. Sometimes, sometimes working on yourself can just simply be a matter of holding yourself still enough 
to allow things to come to you, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly. We don't have to actively work on things. The psyche has a way of working things out. And and actually, um, one of the greatest things that we can do in terms of our own spiritual psychological development is to get out of our own way and to um, bow to a power that is greater than us, that has far more influence on us than our conscious minds do. So there may be something, you know, it, it may be that you feel like you haven't earned this, and that may not necessarily be true. In fact, I would question if you feel a sense of lack of deservingness around the Nine of Cups, because, um, because I think that that might be the thing to focus on, is why you would consider that you wouldn't be deserving of this card coming up. It's interesting that we tend to shy away from the so-called negative cards, let's say, for example, the Nine of Swords. But equally with the Nine of Cups, there is, a, there is the flip side of that, which is a sort of too-good-to-be-true kind of feeling that, that many of us will get, which is simply the same thing. It's that idea of fear, what's going to happen or what's not going to happen in this case. So the Nine of Cups is one to, I would say, be receptive to. This is not about forcing or anything like that. Again, there are powers that are going on here. There are things that are going on that are greater than you and your conscious mind. These are archetypal um, cards. And the more that I work with tarot and the more that I work with um, clients and the more that I work on my own process, the more I understand the less control that I have over circumstances. And, and so it is to invite everything in. And in this case, it is the Nine of Cups to be invited in. Give the Nine of Cups a place at your table because it deserves to be there and you deserve to have it at your table. And I'm going to see if there's any writing on it that um, is anything other than happiness. Let's see. Deep joy, rapture, blessing, overflowing love. I'm just seeing it for the, I think for the first time. Um, it looks like, hello, my friend, in tiny writing, hello, my friend. It may well be, hello, my friend, in terms of outside and somebody coming to you. It's also um, Mercury retrograde. I think we're still in retrograde. And so it may be somebody from the past as well. But I would say that there is something here about the emergence of something from inside you as well. And that may also mirror the emergence of someone or something from outside. And I think that here, if I think about the Nine of Cups in terms of the Waite Smith deck, it's not to grasp too tightly onto anything, but rather to accept it with open arms the figure in the Nine of Cups in the Waite Smith deck is sitting there um, with the cups all behind him, with his arms folded, with this sort of very self-satisfied expression on his face, as if the cat has got the cream. And, and But I don't really see him enjoying the, um, the fulfillment of a particular wish. He's rather displaying it. He's not really interacting with it. And so I think here... There is something about risking yourself to interact or to open your arms, risking vulnerability, you know, risking tripping up and falling on your face, perhaps risking pain, risking new knowledge, new understanding, 
because if you try and keep pain at arm's length and if you try and keep what it is that you don't want to see at arm's length, you keep all the good stuff at arm's length as well. There is no way of conditionally sifting something in. When we build defenses, we build defenses that are really non-negotiable for everything. You know, so we keep, we, we try and keep things at bay and we try and control but then what we do is we also disconnect ourselves from our own sense of joy and the nine of cups here as it spirals in front of me in the card is almost like a vortex that is inviting you to go into and that doesn't mean that you lose yourself in it this is the other thing this is the flip side there is the you know the, the there's the concentric castle of rings of walls that that stop anything from coming in but then there's also the on the other side, there's the um, total disappearing into something as well, in which case you lose yourself in a different way. But the hermit in some way has prepared you for this. So the hermit tending that inner light means that you are tending a connection to, a, to the core of who you are, to yourself with a capital S. And when you start to nurture that connection to yourself, you never lose it. Or if you feel like you've lost it, it doesn't stay away for any length of time. It can't. You can't forget it. You know, it's like it's like riding a bicycle or swimming. You know, you may feel a bit wobbly at first when you when you go in after a long time, but you do remember. And there is that remembrance, that inner remembrance of of that connection to yourself. So happiness in a way to embrace it is about lowering those walls, feeling vulnerable, understanding that that connection to yourself is really the only foundation that you need, but also not disappearing into the vortex so that you lose yourself because that connection, again, that the hermit has nurtured in you is one where you, you cannot lose yourself. That, that while you are dancing with the Nine of Cups, however it shows up for you, because joy can be defined on many levels, while you are dancing, you are grounded into yourself as well. I would look for joy in its many varied guises and also look for where it is that you try and force joy down a particular alleyway. Um, you know, oh, joy is going to mean this for me, or I'm not going to feel joy unless this happens. I would say that that is really not in the spirit of the Nine of Cups, which is a state of being. It is a state of heart. And that state doesn't reject things that, um, that the mind has decided, you know, are not suitable. The heart rather accepts in and transforms and also accepts in and allows you to be transformed as well in the process. I just wonder how happiness is going to show up this month. And it's interesting that really we've got a nine in the hermit, we have a nine in happiness. And if I look at the hermit and this little bright star that's in that space above the the, the face of James Dean, as far as I can see, um, that bright star sort of turns into the centre of the vortex on the same level in the Nine of Cups. This is an inside job. I know that that's a bit of a cliché. Well, it's a lot of a cliché, actually. But um, unless and until you can experience it as an inside job, it, that's what it simply remains as a cliché. 
but um, but actually when you do experience it, you then understand and know um, why it is that it's an inside job and why that's more precious than anything anyone can hand to you with some kind of hope that it's going to lift you out of your current state, that there is going to be a knight in shining armor, whether that knight is human or in, you know, in the promise of something that is different from what you're experiencing coming at you from outside. This is this, as I said, may come at you from outside, but there is going to be something inside you that is mirroring it, that is reaching out, that is acknowledging um, and is is in some way entirely compatible with what it is that's coming outside. In fact, there's the part of you inside that may have that may actually be the catalyst for something outside happening. And maybe you don't even know need to know any of this. It's it is merely the experience of the openness, of the vulnerability, of the um, the desire, because desire is part of it. Being open to your own desire, and maybe that in and of itself is the nine of cups, is being open to your own desire, perhaps for the first time, without necessarily putting a shape or a form on it but just being able to feel your desire because these are cups, these are emotions. It is the watery body. It is feeling-based. It is coming up from the unconscious. This is not the mind. It is more etheric than that. And its content will be one that is felt in the body um, as opposed to simply in the mind. So the Hermit and the Nine of Cups, and then we have the Tool card. So some way in which you can act upon the environment that the Nine of Cups is bringing. And that is the Seven of Cups, which in this deck is debauch. This is interesting because it's one of those readings where you've got these two very light cards and then the Tool card is um, is a card that seems to run counterintuitively to that. And really the way to do this is, is very often when a card comes up that is jarring, is it's almost coming up as a form of, um, look, this is what can happen if you push this to an extreme. So if I look at the flower in the debauch card, it is sort of, it, it's petals are dropping off and it is bending away from the nine of cups there is a sense of abandonment of the essence of truth of the nine of cups it's almost trying to drive it to a conclusion that it's not it's it's having too much it's interesting that it's the seven where it's you know and that's and so it's two cups down but actually it is about it is about um, in some way the abandonment of integrity of what the nine of cups really stands for when the Nine of Cups comes and sits at your table, it's not about trying to dress it up in any way that you would like it to be, but rather allowing the Nine of Cups to be what it is. It is about not driving things to excess. There are many cautionary tales, you know, if you're given one wish and there's the Nine of Cups with the wish card, you know, and, and you think of Midas, for example, well, everything I touch, I want to turn to gold. And then, of course, you know, he, he turns his own loved ones to gold. And I think that the debauch has something to do with that here. It is be careful what you wish for. Be careful of patterns that take you back into old habits, old habits that really are self-defeating. The thing that you wish for, is it what you've always wished for? And if it's what you've always wished for, what have you got 
when you've wished for that before? Because are you wishing for something different this time? And do you really think that that's going to be the case? Or are you in a state of hopefulness rather than in a state of um, openness to something new? Remember, last, last month, it was the end of something, the cashing of something in. One door closes, another door opens. There is a, a sense of transformation. I think that because we're creatures of habit, we tend to want to try and repeat. We, well, it's not that we're wanting to try and repeat. We'll just keep trying the same thing over and over again, hoping for a different result. And, and I think this reading has got a very, very strong caution here about that. It's almost as if, you know, there might be a part of you going, oh my goodness, I've got the nine of cups, that's the wish card. Perhaps if I go after the thing that I've been going after, you know, for a long time or, if it, or that has evaded me in some way, perhaps this time I'm kind of being given permission to ask for it again and then this time I'll get it. And I'm not necessarily sure that the Nine of Cups really wants to play by those kind of rules. The Hermit certainly teaches us that there are different rules. In other words, the rule of the self is to listen to the voice of the self rather than to listen to the voice of addiction. Um, the idea of, of time and time and time again, you know, repeating patterns, repeating patterns, going back and, you know, just, just that sense of more of the same. I think that there is a creative approach to the Nine of Cups that really takes us away and out of the world of debauch. And I think the trick here is to catch, is to catch yourself when you start to bargain with the idea of happiness and what it is that you want it to look like rather than what it is that's actually being offered to you, which may look like something you don't recognize. And if you don't recognize it, then maybe that starts to feel like it's, you know, not a good thing because you don't know what it is. And, you know, we're kind of programmed to be mistrustful of things. But if you don't recognize it, it's because you don't know it. And if you don't know it, then perhaps you haven't done it before. And if you haven't done it before, then perhaps, you know, you're not repeating a pattern. So I'm going to pick up the debauch card and see if there's anything on it that also holds a clue. Um frustration that's one and everything else appears to be in german yes or surfeit surfeit as well Fr frustration and surfeit oh hyperactivity there we go so there is this frenetic sort of overload of um movement of behaviors um it's almost as if there is um a sort of it's what Jung would have called a complex so a complex is very much embodied in the debauch card it is not it is lifeless a complex because it, it lacks the self the complex is a whole it's a set of thoughts behaviors that constellate around a particular thing and they drive your behavior and it is very often um, we are m most likely to be aware of a complex through our emotions. Um, and it will be emotions that are in some way running away with us, a sense of agitation, a sense of frustration, a sense of hyperactivity. Um, and, and those are the things that then really drive us back into the patterns and behaviors because complexes are 
they will be unique to our own psyche. They will be things that um, that are very, very familiar to us because complexes are defenses in a way. And, um, and so therefore, when we notice the presence of a complex, when we notice the desire to push things a particular way, a sense of like heightened um, pulse racing or um, excitement or anger or, you know, sort of twitchiness, then, then a complex is, you know, may well be present. And with that means that you have the capacity to repeat um, something that's gone on before. So debauch is that abandonment of, of truth, of integrity. It's the abandonment of the integrity of the self. I remember there was a phrase that I used. I wrote about um, the debauch card several years ago. And, um, and there was a particular phrase that I will add in the notes um, to wherever it is that you're reading this. Because it was, I think it sums up exactly what it is that um, that is that the tool card is warning us about here. It is saying, do not go this way. In a way, in the, the tool card is is in this instance not something you use, but something to be aware of. And um, and and I guess you can use it in as much as by being aware of it, um, you you can very much apply and say, well, you know, is this something that I tend to do? Am I catching myself, you know, in these same feelings or the same feelings coming up? Is there a sense of sort of feeling compelled in some way by something inside? Do I feel in some way that I'm on an escalator rather than walking freely in a landscape? Because that idea of the escalator, in other words, you've stepped on and there is a sense of inevitability about where it is that you're going. And not only that, but a sense of not being able to step off. The path narrows down to a single point. Um, then, then you have committed to something that is a well-worn path. Um, it is one that is well-worn because you have been down it many, many times before. It is, it has worn down a deep groove. So once you step onto it, it's quite difficult to get out of it. But you can if you catch yourself. And I notice with debauch as well in the card, there's there's that cracked, dried ground. That there are the deep grooves. There is nothing that can grow here. Everything is jagged. Um, there is the hope of the ace of cups being separated by that stalk on the left-hand side. It is more associated with the rest of the reading. So I would say then that if you do feel that sense of debauch, of being out of control, of being a little bit ragged at the edges or a lot ragged at the edges, of realizing that you're going into old patterns and habits that may actually steal the joy, that may actually remove the um, the wishes the the nine of cups even while you feel like it, it you know it promises some kind of happiness you suddenly realize actually no it doesn't it the the nine of cups kind of dissipates as soon as you go on that the idea then is to go back to the ace that single cup remind yourself take you know remove the other cups what is it that matters if I strip it all away. What is it, you know, that is left? And the ace is the purest expression of cups. It is unconditional love. Um, it is the love that starts with oneself. And if you find that hard to accept in yourself, remember, it may only be a single mustard seed that you need. 
it may be that the hermit has just pointed you to the one strand that you can go back to. And it may feel like a risk and it may not feel anywhere near as um, exciting or as potentially romantic or, you know, as full of, um, I don't know, bells and whistles as, as the other way that you are very familiar with. But I would trust that perhaps, actually, that the Nine of Cups will then present itself to you in a different way. And as I said, it, it may be unfamiliar. Don't, don't dismiss it because you don't recognize it. Remember that. Don't dismiss it because you don't recognize it. If you know it all too well, then that actually might not be it. Remind yourself what all too well has brought you in the past. Oh, I know this all too well. That never really suggests a, a fabulous outcome, does it? Oh, I know that all too well. I know, I know him all too well. I know them all too well. I know this situation all too well. If you don't know, then just, I would suggest, just stop for a minute. Take a page out of the hermit's book. Be still. Be still and know. Take yourself away from the voices outside clamoring. Take yourself away as much as you can from the voices inside clamoring. What is the truth to you? And how can it perhaps lead you back in to this vortex that is in the Nine of Cups? That sense of possibility that is inviting you in. I mean, even the, even the flower in the, in the, you know, the blasted flower in the Seven of Cups is, is somewhat attracted to that, even while it's sort of trying, you know, it's, it's kind of going off the edge of the card and, and dying the other way. There is a remembrance of something that is true. And that is, um, that is what it's about. It is, it's course correcting back to the center. The hermit will help you in one way. The seven of cups will help you in another way and course correct back to the center. And that is course correct back to your own center as well. The one that has something for you that may be a surprise, albeit um, a pleasant one, or maybe has a sense of mystery to it as well. And that perhaps is, is really the most important thing, is to have that mystery and not try and solve it or not try and put an interpretation on it but rather to let it dance in front of you. And, and the hermit knows how to do that. The hermit knows how to sit there and tend to the flame that is a mystery that dances in front of him, but is the one that lights his way as he moves through a landscape that may not necessarily be all that intelligible. You know, you, he may not be able to see that far ahead of him, but it lights him his way enough for him to see the next step and the next step and the next step. So see how you feel when you step towards happiness or that card, knowing that it may show up differently from what you're expecting and see how you feel when you're faced with it. And then, you know, see how you feel about the Seven of Cups and the Hermit and how you feel about maybe that tiny nascent connection to your sense of self inside and what it's saying to you about what it is that you can do next. I'll leave it at that, and I will speak to you at the next new moon. Until then, take very good care. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Thank you.